God is good, amen? And I'm so excited about Holland playing in the World Cup final today. And Wait, wait, sorry, I need to wake up. No. How many are watching the World Cup today? All the people that went to first service, right, so they can catch it on time. And some thinks Germany can win, but could get messy. Ha, 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 Do we have any uh, Germany fans out here? Any Argentinian fans? Any Holland fans? Yeah! Oh, sorry. Any USA fans? Any Raider fans? Okay, well, there's our prayer need for this morning. <laughs> Poor James. Raiders are going to make it. They're going to go to the Super Bowl this decade, I promise you. I can, I can feel it. <laughs> no, God is good. We're going to talk about wisdom today, and wisdom is a great topic. It's a series, Wisdom of the Ages, and I want you to see, as we introduce the topic in these first two weeks of it, I kind of want to lift up God's wisdom and our dependence on it. And then, and then I want to really talk about how God turns his understanding of wisdom and how it applies to us upside down. I'm going to do that next week. Um, that'll give you some really profound ways to tap into God's wisdom. But today will be the starting point of that, how to get there. And part of that is going to be found in humility, humility before God. I'm going to show you some examples of, of pride and how it moves you away from wisdom and um, some important areas there. And then I'm going to give, get to the last couple of weeks where we'll really be focused on practical wisdom, how to really let it apply and change your life. And so, Father, I just uh, come before you and I ask, Lord, for your wisdom now and uh, for myself uh, to communicate and wisdom for those to discern what I'm saying and, um, and discern um, what is the right way to understand it and contextualize it to their life. And I pray that the scriptures would come alive. Lord, your word is living and it's an active, it's like a double-edged sword. Lord, it divides the bone and the marrow and gets to the deep places of the heart, the recesses of the heart. Lord, and there's no place that escapes you, Lord, but you're not there to, to beat us down. You're there to build us up. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are good. Lord, your love is everlasting. It endures forever. Lord, no matter where we come from, you are always on our side. You're moving us forward. Thank you for your faithfulness, even the areas that we neglect. Let your faithfulness be proved right in all our actions with us. We praise you. And Lord, I pray for those that aren't here, Lord, that you just minister to them as well. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, do I hear amen? Amen. Uh, I'm just going to start off with a few few quotes from some wise men through the centuries here. I'll start with Albert Einstein. I, I like him. Wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of the lifelong attempt to acquire it. It's almost like, you know, Einstein's quote here is, it's not just what you're getting and the learning you're putting in it, but it's the, it's the desire for it. How many of you want wisdom? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be closing with the scripture that says that it's far more valuable than rubies. Nothing can compare with wisdom. Whatever stocks or options or gold, whatever Home Depot stock you might have, Apple stock that, you know, split and then now is worth more, whatever you bought, wisdom has more value. 
Wisdom turns into more cash value. It's amazing how God looks at it and describes it. I love this. Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools because they have to say something. How many have fit that statement on the wrong end? (laughs) I have heard myself talk and had an out-of-body experience and said, shut up. Have, have you ever done that? And, and you know, it, it's like it, you, you were talking because you were self-conscious or you were trying to build yourself up or insecurity or it was pride. I don't know what it was, but you're going, shut up. The fool has to say something, but the wise man speaks. He has something to say. You know, and I love this one. This is a, this is a quote in the, in the Americas in 1851. I couldn't get the name of it. But wisdom is knowing what to do next. Skill is knowing how to do it, but virtue is doing it. You know, virtue, there's something in there that, you know, I have known that french fries are bad for you for a long time. (laughs) But I do not have wisdom. I have not, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I would say God has really accrued a lot of wisdom in this area in my life, you know. I started, I was sharing with our early service that, you know, I never knew that, I don't know why it didn't dawn me, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but I would drink like maybe one glass of water, two glasses of water a day. And Jody goes, you got to drink like eight glasses of water a day. And I go, eight? She goes, yeah, these. And she put these on, on the table. And I'm like, I'm going to go in the bathroom all day if I drink that. It, it's like eight of these every single day. It's like your body needs a lot of water. You know, and, and it, it took me several years to really get, because when we met, you know, I was drinking soda and all kinds of crud. And it's kind of like, now I love just drinking water. Water, how many say amen? amen. It, it's like it's become wisdom in my life. Drink water. I, I go to a restaurant or I go to a friend's house and they go, what do you want to drink? Give me some water. Just give me some water. I want to make sure I got lots of water. It's wisdom. It's, it's the virtue of doing it. It's the choice you make. And then here is the quote by a really wise guy named God, right? Who, who spoke it through Solomon. Men were moved by the spirit of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, I know the world does not believe this. They believe that the accruing of knowledge on Google and Yahoo and all the, you know, WebMD and all those things are the beginning of wisdom. But wisdom really starts with the fear of God. And not the fear of, oh, oh, oh. it's the reverence of him, the awe of him, recognizing that he is the source of all knowledge. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding really important one. Now, Isaiah confirms it, and then I'm going to get to the beginning of my message. He will be the sure foundation, Isaiah 33, 6, for your times. A rich store of salvation, that's the restoration, the salvific, redeeming qualities, the wisdom, the knowledge, and look what Isaiah says. He says, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You want the keys? You want the keys to unlock the treasures? God says, fear me. Put me first. And and I know people think immediately of religion. Oh, I've got to be religious. He's not talking about religion. He's talking about the Lord. Amen? Religion is what, you know, people get together and they do religious things. I'm talking about relating to the living God who is alive and who's made us. He is alive. He is the key to this treasure. All right. I'm going to read Proverbs 3, 3 through 16. 
Uh, I'm not going to focus a lot on some of the ones I've covered recently, like the Proverbs 3, 5 and 3, 9, but they are part of the scripture and I don't want to lose context and lose the exegesis of the text. So I'm going to read it included. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. Can everyone say with all your heart? It's right here. All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. How many like the word of God? In the Bible, it's so stifling. Really? You need to read it again. I think it's pretty cool. Let's get started. Number one, we're going get, to get to the wisdom, understanding the wisdom of God. Wisdom begins with, can everyone just say trust? Trust. You can trust in yourself, and there's nothing wrong with gaining a healthy humility and self-confidence in the Lord. I'm not saying you have to be insecure and be doubtful of everything that you do. But, but you understand the source, the trusting is with God, not just in self. And this is where the scripture, I'm just going to go over it very quickly, this one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He's, he's wanting the meat of your passion. The passion, the things that drive you. Trust the Lord with these things. Lean, every motive, every desire, trust in the Lord with this. Lean not on your own understanding. You can have your understanding, but just don't lean on it. Don't, don't make that the, the thing that you're counting on. I'll just gain a little bit more knowledge. I could build a better strategy and come up with some more tactics, and then I'll figure out what to do. He says, have that understanding, but don't lean on it. Make sure that you're getting your source vertical, not horizontal. You know, what do they say? What do they think? Vertical. What, what is God saying? What's his word saying? And listen, he's going to make your path straight. Nothing worse than you're feeling like you're doing okay, and then you start to take a crooked path. And you go, oh, man. How many take a crooked path before? Come on. And you go, man. And, and the Lord says, I'm going to make your crooked path straight. And he's not talking about once you get crooked, I'm going to keep it going that way. God's saying, I'm going to realign it so that you can get to the fastest points between A and B. You know, that's the fastest point. So, you know, don't, well, my, you know, I needed to go through that trial and do all these stupid things so I could learn the right thing. Really? You had to hit your head, you know, 20 times and crack open your skull with both eyes. And, um, you know, no. How many want to learn wisdom on the first round? Right? Don't, don't buy into that, that saying. He'll make your paths straight if you trust in him. Put your trust in here. This is where he's starting. He's moving toward his wisdom. And then he says, and this is the critical one right here. This is the beginning of the, of the point. Do not be wise, he says, in your own eyes. 
don't think you're the source of this wisdom that comes down. Don't be wise. You know, I, I mentioned last week, you cast a glance at riches and they're gone, the proverb says. Hey, I think we might strike it rich. Oh, it's gone. How many have experienced it? How many are experiencing that? Take your eyes off the riches and keep your eyes focused on the Lord. And if God knows when you're looking at him so you can get the riches, doesn't he? Right? It's like being wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes because that is a dead end. You know, the man who trusts in himself is a fool. Right? Don't be wise. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't see your actions and go, oh, check it out. Look what I've done. I'm going to give an example here of King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, ruling a big portion of the world. And he's going to get wise in his own eyes. We're going to see his story. It says, fear the Lord and shun evil. Don't be wise, not in your own eyes, but, but fear the Lord and shun. You know, learn and be taught wise what righteousness is. Be trained in righteousness. Uh, you start to recognize that you go, oh, that's evil. You start, you start gossiping and you're going, oh, it's poison. This is bad. This is bad for my tongue. My tongue wasn't made for gossip. It was made to build people up. That you start, it starts to become like a taste you don't like. You go, oh, it doesn't taste good. God goes, be trained in righteousness. Become a slave to righteousness. Fear the Lord. Trust him. Get, get your respect from him. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't, don't start thinking. Learn. Gain knowledge and, and re- realize that God, through his spirit, is mentoring you. He's coaching you. There's a bigger source. Can you imagine? There's a bigger source of life than you. I thought I was everything, man. No, there's a bigger source, you know. And, and you know, the, some of these recovery groups, you know, he's a higher power. Hey, that's great. Let me just give you the name now. It's Jesus. Help you out so you can recognize the address. I don't want my kids coming to me going, hey, dude. I want them to go, hey, Eric, that's my, that's my dad. I want them to know who I am. Amen? I want them to know my name. Now, look at Daniel. Here he is. Okay, this is a, a vivid illustration of pride. I'm just going to give this little couple paragraphs here to give you a picture of him. Is And here, here he is. And, and, and I want you to see this. This is the guy who built Babylon, ruling most of the world. And some of you remember Saddam Hussein. Okay? You're old enough to remember his reign. Some of you are younger. But Saddam Hussein saw himself as a reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. And one of the things that he wanted to do, one of the reasons that he first went after Kuwait is that whole territory was part of um, Nebuchadnezzar's early Babylonian rule. And he felt that familiar rule, rather than cut with the way it was cut by the British and the French, who cut everything into sections, he felt like that was part of their land, and he saw himself reincarnated as Nebuchadnezzar and wanted to rule that whole part like Nebuchadnezzar did. And he wrote about it. And this is Nebuchadnezzar, his hero, back at the time. And he says, is, this, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? Look at this business I built. Look at this. You know, I've got knowledge. I could be a leader, a CEO, an entrepreneur. Look what I have. And he says, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And it reminds me of Solomon because David had a heart to build the temple for the Lord to glorify him. And he handed it to Solomon. And Solomon built this temple. And then after Solomon built the temple, the next sentence it says, and then he built a temple for himself. He built his own house five times the glory of the house of the Lord. 
And, and, and you could see little by little Solomon's wisdom and all that stuff just brought him down. Wisdom to no avail because it didn't have humility. And it says, even as the words, verse 31, were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. And it says, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And you wonder, I wonder if God's really in charge. Well, you, you can find out. There are ways to find this out. And it says, your royal royalty has been taken from you. And then all kinds of things are now taken from him. He's, you know, his, his, he, it's almost as if he becomes someone who has mental issues and problems and everything. God basically says, okay, I'm going to remove the power that I gave you to raise up and take care of your people and to put yourself in power and make decisions. I'm going to pull that away from you so that you can recognize that you're not on your own and you never were. And God withholds it. And for seven years, he gives this. And I think of the religious leaders during Jesus' times. They loved to sit in the place of honor. They loved to have the place of the banquets where they were the most important ones. It's kind of like, put me in the center stage. And that was important to them. Proverbs 16.8, just a segue here. It says, pride goes before destruction. If you want to look at it linear, you know, if you're driving, you know, this, this comes and then right before you hit it, boom, bam, destruction. You know, uh, the message translated says, first pride, then the crash. You know, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And it says a haughty spirit. You know, in the Proverbs, it says seven things the Lord hates. He just can't stand this. The Lord can't stand this. Not because he's going, I hate that person. He's looking, he goes, man, I can't stand this because it's so opposite of reality. I'm a creature made in the image of God and I'm dependent on him. It's so obvious. But you start to go, man, I I run myself. I got my own thing going. Well, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what it says. Pride, right before destruction, haughty spirit before a fall. Listen to what he says to him. This is Daniel 4.32. You will be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like the ox seven times at seven seasons will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. You know what the sovereign is there? That means God's saying, I'm actually in control of all things. Do you know that? That God has more control than you realize. He allows free will, but not outside of his sovereign power. Do you know that? There's no free will that's going to dominate the Lord. Amen? He says that until you acknowledge, now here he is taking a king that we've historically seen. We have historical evidence about this king. You have, they have all kinds of trinkets and things that they find from those Babylonian empires that are not just biblical uh, references. There's a lot of non or secular stuff that writes about it to confirm it. It says, the most high, until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms of earth and he gives them to anyone he wishes. You know, we have a, a soldier, Derek, who's going to Afghanistan for six months, and he's on our, on our prayer list that we pray for. And he was telling me he just visited the USS Indianapolis, you know, that was sunk during a World War II. And Edgar Harrell was one of the 300 survivals, the survivors who wrote about it. There's about 900 soldiers that fell into the water, um, 600 who survived out of that group. And he writes, he says, he says, 600 of the 900 men survived the ship sinking, were stranded in the water for five days, many with only a life vest. 
So imagine you're in the middle of the waters. Think about it just for a moment. Anyone here been to the ocean before? The ocean, especially when you're more in the center of it, or it feels like it because you can't see land, and you're floating in a life vest. And he says, it says, we were stranded in the water for five days. Many with only a life vest, all facing thirst, hunger, injuries, dehydration, and sharks. They all came face to face with fear and their own mortality. He testifies this about that day. Clearly, there were no atheists in the water that day. God was that damnable attitude of pride that deceives men into thinking that there is no God. Or if there is, they don't need him. When man is confronted with death, it is the face of almighty God he sees, not his own. We are acutely aware of our creator during those days and nights. I want you to think about the first day in the water. Just that first day. We're not talking about a two-hour movie that you just saw about people struggling in the water. I'm talking a 24-hour day with no water. Out in the ocean with a live vest. Fear, injury, trepidation. You're in charge of what? How much do you bench press? How big's your stock portfolio? Who, who cares? Right? Who cares? You know, you get struck with something, and there's, you, you know when your own vulnerability hits, and now we hit day two. It's been 48 hours. You haven't eaten. There, there's nobody going, hey, guys, follow my superior lead. While I lead us in courage, let me sing a song for you guys. In 24 hours, you're all weak and you're desperate. 36 hours goes by. Now you're going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. 36 hours. No water. You've lost track of time. You don't know anything. Your delirious dimension is coming in. You're, you're losing your brain faculties. Now you, you get another day. The fourth day goes by. And then the fifth day. Boy, you're not going, man, I'm arrogant. I come. God will bring you down to the base of what you need. Do you want God to humble you? Or do you want to humble yourself? The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. How many say amen? amen. Listen, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. With, with humility comes what? What comes with humility? Wisdom, right? It, it, haughtiness, pride, comes with destruction, comes with a fall. But if you want to get to wisdom, if you want to get to the wisdom that God promises, you don't have to be persuaded by the pastor or, you know, he preached this at me. Don't. I'm preaching at myself. Trust me, I am just like you. I have to grow in all these areas as well. It's like God takes you and he leads you. When pride comes, disgrace comes. Fall comes. You know, a crash, destruction. But with humility, what comes? Wisdom. Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It is the key. It is the key to the treasure. Wisdom. Get there. Fear of the Lord. Trusting in him. Okay. Now, watch Nebuchadnezzar, because he resolves this. He, he ends up for seven years out in nowhere. They don't even know where he is. He's just wandering through the, through the forest, and they're going, what happened to him? And it's kind of like, he's just not thinking straight. And, and he he, I could, he probably self-destructed over the next week or two, you know, and then also deteriorated. And God said, okay, 
I'll leave you all to your own wisdom. You want the peace? I'll take away the peace so you have your own peace. God, do you want to sustain your own peace? Or how many want the peace from God? Aren't you glad that the peace of God comes to you? I feel sorry for people who have to do everything on their own. Right? They walk through, through death of a loved one on their own. I thank God I have the Lord. And the Lord is here for you. I tell you, if you don't know him, he's here for you. That cross that we put up there is not a little religious symbol. It represents that Jesus Christ, the son of God, became flesh like us and paid for your redemption. Amen. He paid for your sins so that you can be forgiven. He chose the foolish things so that he can shame the wisdom of the world. Amen? Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. You think that's real? That's authentic because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. When you're in the midst of the trial, it looks terrible. Seven years of humility. Then at the end of it, God is who he says he is. This isn't just placating. This is believing it. And he says, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble himself. And I think of Saddam Hussein. And I think of him when they actually found him and how sad it was. I felt sorry for him. You know, he was hiding in a little hole. Now without his, you know, fear tactics and things that he used, all of a sudden it was just him. You know, a frail old man that any one of those soldiers could have just beat the tar out of. And he gets caught by them and it's kind of like, it's like a disrespect because you get humbled. You lift yourself up over the most high God and he will bring you down. How many would like to humble yourself before the mighty God? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Say, I want to humble myself. Okay. Just turn to someone and say, yeah, you should. And I'm, I'm telling you, and this scripture is probably the most telling. This is a New Testament illustration because I want to give it here. Is, is Jesus Christ comes in human flesh. But, but he takes on our very nature. You know, he's called in some senses the God man. He's fully divine, but yet fully human. And the, the Bible says that when he was baptized, as soon as he was baptized, because he didn't need to be baptized for repentance, because he wasn't repenting over sins. In fact, John the Baptist says to him, I don't need to baptize you. You, you, don't, you haven't sinned. You know, and he says, this must take place to fulfill all righteousness. Because the Spirit then was put, as soon as he's baptized, the Spirit came upon him. And the minute the Spirit came upon him, two things happened. The Father said to him, this is my Son, in whom, in him, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased to live in him. And then, and then right at that moment, if you follow the New Testament, the demon world comes to life in the Gospels. All of a sudden you get demonic manifestations of things. The minute Christ is filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden he's dealing it. And it says the Spirit leads him to the desert and then the devil takes him to this really high mountain. And I really think that this is a picture of kind of the devil's promise to mankind. It says he showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And I wonder how many people the devil may have gone to and said, man, I'll make you a rock star. I'll, I'll thrive your business. You know, I'll make you successful if you just abandon, abandon your family, abandon God, just turn to wealth. Put your eyes on everything the world has to offer. And it says, and if you'll just bow down 
and you'll worship me. And of course, you know, Jesus refuses it. And he offers it to him three times. And Jesus says, man lives on, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? How many say amen to that? Okay. Now, the Old Testament confirms it this way. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. This is, this is God talking to his people that he's about to prosper. He's going to move them into this great prosperity. And he says to them, hey, before you go out, because you're going to find blessing out there. And I'm going to be pouring out my spirit. And guess what? I want you to be careful. Don't for a minute think that you acquired this with your own willpower. You somehow control the universe. I was in charge of this. And I'm not talking about just being dummies. We don't do anything. God doesn't. God allows us to share. This isn't meant to be robotic or that we have no um, autonomy within our being and our nature. It just means that as we're going out there and accomplishing things, God's going, I'm with you and I'm empowering you. How many say amen? Okay. Here it is, that scripture I mentioned before. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You want to do that? Let's do it. Okay. Um, Let's get to the heart of the message now. This will go quick. Wisdom, number one, begins with trust, number one. Honor the Lord. This is the repeat here. With all your wealth, he's talking about don't be wise in your own eyes. Shun evil. You know, put your trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. And guess what? Honor the Lord with what you have, what you get, what you accomplish and what you conquer. Make sure you honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Gabe said it great. First fruits. It's not you don't give to God after you've given everything else. It's like you don't give love to everyone else and tell your wife, oh, by the way, here's what I got left over, right? You want, to get, you want to give your first fruits. And it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'm not gonna talk a lot about this because I've already talked about it, but it begins with trust, okay? Wisdom begins with trust. How many say Amen. We trust the Lord. We don't put our help. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Do you got it? Because this is how we got to move on here. So wisdom now demands training. And this is where we're going. It's not just trusting the Lord, but he's going to train us. And, and he uses that word discipleship. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Now, the rebuke is not like a correction. Correction is when someone comes up to you and says, hey, you're thinking about it this way, but you should think about it this way. Or you tell a player, if you're a coach, uh, you know, you're kicking it like this, get your, get your knees down and kick it like this. Or you're giving them some kind of instruction or encouragement. Rebuke is where you go, hey, hey, that's not, that's not working. How many have had God come to you like that? Right? It's a rebuke. Don't. It's strong. It's almost as if God's standing before a manhole. You're about to go in and go, hey, no. no this is this. Your family's going down. You're about to go down. I'm going to overrule you, but I want you to choose to humble yourself right now. Don't, don't bring humility with the judgments that are in all the earth and have gravity take you down this pit. Let me stop you. Humble yourself. 
comply, submit. In all your ways, submit to him. He'll make your path straight. Submit to my wisdom, to my knowledge, to my way of thinking. And it says, listen, because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. This is a love act. And and boy, if you are a parent, you understand this. You've had talks with your kids where they're like, I don't get it. And you're going, and I'm not saying parents are perfect because how many many have made dumb decisions as parents? All right, so me too. And because Jody and I are married and we're one and she made a mistake once. (laughs) How many know she's probably a wiser parent than I am? Yep. Listen, it, it, and, and I, but there are times when you're telling your kids something and you you so much on their side. You want them to succeed. You're not trying to get something. You're trying to give them instruction. And they're like, what? They, they don't understand it. They don't understand that you're on their side. Sometimes the Lord's telling us things for our own benefit. He's going, don't go right. That's a crooked path. And don't go left. Go straight on this. Keep, follow where I'm telling you to go. Don't despise it. Don't resent it. When the rebuke comes, it comes for your good. Sometimes God will use somebody. You know, they'll just come into your life and they go, hey, I need to talk to you. You know, why are you doing this? And, I, and I, trust me, I've had this my whole life. God always puts in the right rebuke for me. And it, it, sometimes it's people that I don't expect and someone will just go, hey, I need to talk to you. And they go, boom. And I'll go, oh. And, 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 you want to remain teachable. You can't put yourself in like, I'm the boss you know, at work. No one tells me what to do. This is how we do it. It's my way or the highway. Listen, you're the boss, you're in charge, but you're also stupid, right? You got to learn from your employees. Well, I'm the pastor. No one tells me what to do. I preach. Listen, I've got issues too. You can confront me on things. Just do it in Latin. <laughs> I'm totally teasing. Because I can get corrected, you can get corrected, right? You know, someone said, you know, uh, I need to talk to your wife about something. It's kind of like, you can't talk to the pastor's wife. Like, why not? She's got sin in her life, too, that she's dealing with, right? Aren't we all struggling, right? It's like that pastor who said, you know, when I started the ministry, he goes, I was in the boat, and I looked out, and I saw all the people in the water, and they were hurting, and I was reaching out to them. I'll come and help you. And so I threw the lifeboat over. He needs to, life raft, you know, the, the, whatever, the inner tube, what it's called? Life preserver. Flotation device. <laughs> Don't you love that when you're in a plane and you're going across America and they're going, and this is what you need that's going to save you. Look at that thing and go, I think I'm going to put my hope in God. <laughs> But the pastor said, you know, I'll, I'll throw the life preserver out there and it'll help them in the water. And he says, but then I, it was like five years, 10 years of my ministry. And I realized, you know, I needed to help them. So I dove in the water with them to help them to safety. And he goes, and then another 10 years of ministry. And then I realized, wait, I'm in the water too. And, and I need a life preserver and, and I need the Lord and we all need the Lord. Amen. And, and, and it's like, don't despise, don't reject the rebuke, you know, don't resent it. The Lord disciplines those he loves, those he cares about. When the Lord accepts you as a son, as a daughter, he's not going to discipline you. He's building you up. Paul says, all the authority given to me has been given to build you up, to make you better. God says, I'm building you into a house. I'm building you into a strong tree that can provide shade. I'm giving you strength. I'm flowing my spirit. I'm guiding you into all the truth that you need. God's on your side. He disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. 
And if you don't think God delights in you, you need to read your Bible again. God delights in you. He delights in you. He loves you. He cares about you. Blessed are those who find wisdom, this proverb continues. Blessed. They're blessed because they see it from God's context. He readjusts their thinking. Those who gain understanding. Listen, for she is more profitable than silver. She yields better returns than gold. And I'll just put it out there. What do you want? Want the gold? Here it is. $10 million worth of gold. And here's wisdom over here. This is going to pay my bills and then I'll buy wisdom. You know, there's something about pursuing this one that forfeits this one. Because you can't serve God and money. You'll either be devoted to one and hate the other, or you'll love the other one and despise the other. That's what Jesus says. And it's not like God doesn't want you to have money. He's got all the money. God's got all the money. It's, he's saying, get wisdom. It's better. Amen? Okay. Jesus says, I love how he can, intertwines himself into the same thing about the wise man. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine... Now watch this. You hear it. But here's the part that's hard and puts it into practice. Can everyone just say practice? You put it into training. You put it into practice. You start using it. They're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, (laughs) there was a house on the, someone sent around on Facebook that was on the edge of a cliff. Someone sent it to me and I looked at that and they go, how'd you like to live here? And I was thinking to myself, nah, I don't know if I'd want to live on the edge of a cliff, you know? But one thing that I did notice about the house, it was built on rock. I don't know if that rock there was deep enough or rich enough or how they build it, but when you build things that have a foundation that's deep and rich, I put some umbrellas in my backyard, but the concrete was about this thick, and the wind blew eventually. A couple winds, no problem. But it was a couple years into it, we had a really big wind. And it, the umbrella took the concrete out of the ground. And then I had someone who was really wise said, you should have dug it about six feet deeper. But you are so wise. <laughs> Where were you five years ago? Wisdom's always hindsight, isn't it? You know? But do you want to build your house on the rock? You want to build it on a strong foundation? All right. I, I, I put this one, this is kind of a careful scripture to be careful with everything we're talking about. I want to be super careful because the tendency might be without a good system of theology. You might look at this and go, hey, you're not making as much money as me. You got health problems. You got nutrition problems. You know, I think I'm better than you. I'm wise. You're not wise. Well, be careful when you're wise in your own eyes. He th- thinks he is, that, you know, thinks he knows, doesn't know as he ought to know. But Jesus, understand when he came, he hung out with all the people. Amen? It says, and it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Because Jesus hung out with the sinners and went to their house. And they're going, you're, you're talking to a woman. Which at that time was unlawful. We, we can't imagine that in our culture today. But the way that it was in those days. And Jesus confronts it head on. He doesn't care what they think. 
because he looks at it from a sovereign perspective and he's hanging out with the current partiers of the day. And it says, the son of man came eating and drinking and you say to him, this is Jesus talking, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But he says, but wisdom is proved right by all our children. In other words, if you see this same scripture in Matthew, he says, wisdom will be proved right by our actions. In other words, it'll eventually show itself to be true that if you turn to God and you walk in his ways, God will prosper you. Amen? But the idea of Jesus' prospering was he was hung on a cross. That was his end result. So accept the call that God has given you. Accept it. How many say amen to that? That is not one you want to amen. Wisdom, you don't have it till you do it. That's it. If you think you have the wisdom, but it's not applying, then you don't have wisdom. And I have areas in my life I don't have wisdom. I'm a fool. And I have other areas that I've grown. And I tend to want to um, reinforce the ones I'm good at rather than trying to strengthen the ones I'm bad at. And I'm not talking about giftings. I think strengths and giftings, you should focus on what God, the callings and the kind of giftings God given you. Don't try to go outside of those and try to be something you're not. But sometimes God's growing you in character and he's trying to develop some area that you're not good at. And sometimes you just need to tackle it. How many say amen? Okay, so here's the last point here. And this is we're going to focus. Wisdom gives blessing. I told you it's more than gold, it's more than silver. And this is how he starts to summarize this. She, this is wisdom, is more precious than rubies. You know, imagine a big, you know, Count of Monte Cristo. Some of you guys see that movie where all of a sudden he comes up with all this money to make revenge. You know, and he spends all that money to try to build revenge. It's like the money is not going to get you until you have wisdom. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. I want you to think about that and try to be instructed by the Lord. Think of all the things you're pursuing right now. And I say, shift them to the fear of the Lord and gaining wisdom from God. I'm going to say amen. This, this is what this scripture is pointing you to. And then he says it right here, long life. And, and he's not, this is a word not just for longevity. It's a word that means spatial. It's a spatial, it's a dimension. Your life could be short, but full of life. There is long life in her right hand, wisdom for you, more precious than gold, more precious than silver. It comes with the Lord's discipline. You know, it comes with the fear of the Lord. It starts with his trust. And then on the other hand, with that, a spatial, deep life. And on the other hand, Riches, And we're not talking about just treasures of gold. Have you ever just been so filled with the Lord in every area of your life that you just say, I'm rich? It's that and riches and honor. Do you want the wisdom of the Lord? This is the greatest promise from God. Jesus himself is called the wisdom of God. This is the promise. Eat my honey, My son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. You don't need this pure white sugar. Just get the honey. It's natural. Let that natural sugar be in you. It's so sweet. Let wisdom just come. 
It comes from on high. It grows from God. If you find it, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to close. Father, thank you for your power and your wisdom. You say the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Lord, I believe that scripture. I believe it's meant for us. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our heart right now. And I I would like you, just as a church, as a people, there's some things you do by yourself. There's some things you do as a group. You know, some things, you know, you watch the USA team, you get something out of being on a team. The local church is like a team. And we come before God, not just in as individuals, but as a people. Can we raise both hands to God and say, Lord, I surrender to your sovereignty, to your power. Just all around this room, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I surrender. I want your wisdom. Lord, I've relied too much on my own. Thank you. I thank you for the wisdom you've given me, but I need to know the source. I can't believe the wisdom is coming from my own self. I can't be wise in my own eyes. And for some of you, the Lord's saying, you need to shun evil. Don't just give it place. The evil won't take you to a good place. You say, Lord, empower me. Walk with me. And then would you just say this? Say, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving all of my sins. And we just imagine your sins right now. All of your sins. The past, the present, the future. All of your sins stand before God. He has wiped your record clean. It's clean. Would you just thank him? Say, thank you, Lord, for washing me clean. Thank you for paying for all my sins. James says, I give to wisdom to anyone who asks. Would you just verbalize what you need wisdom from God? Just say, he'll, he'll give it to you. He'll give you all the wisdom you need without finding fault. He'll give it to you generously. Would you ask him right now? What's that circumstance? Lord, I need wisdom in and tell him. But speak it out. Just whisper it. You don't have to have everyone hear it. But but make your mouth move it. Move. Say, Lord, I need wisdom in this. Lord, I need your wisdom in that. Give it to me. Thank you that you don't ask, you don't find fault with me first. God's not going to look at your mistakes and say, I'm not giving to you. He's going to give it to you generously. And Father, we thank you for that. And I'll have our base camp leaders come forward as well. Father, I thank you for your power and your mercy. And if you need prayer to follow up, our base camp leaders, we have a a resource called Base Camp that helps you in your walk with God. It takes some of the things that I say up here, but but it puts it in a nice um, way of teaching you how to walk with God daily. It's not a Lord it over you kind of thing. It's a servant ministry where we serve you and help you grow. And if that's you, I want you to contact one of these um, ministry leaders and say, hey, I'd like to get connected to base camp. And they'll get your information and help you walk with it. And there's a room at the very back of our church, right as you're about to go to the outside our building, look to the right, and there's a a room there that says base camp on it. And it's the, the glass glass door. And just go in there and they'll meet you over there. And it's no pressure, just there to help you grow. Think of it as a personal trainer that you don't have to pay for. And Father, I thank you. And we want to put our trust in. If you're a person now with all eyes closed, and you haven't put your trust in the Lord, or you need to recommit your heart right now to the Lord. 
You just haven't maybe been kind of drifting for a little while. If that's you, I, I want to agree with you in prayer. We just raise your hand with everyone other eyes closed and look up at me and with your hands raised. I want to agree with you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. I'm going to agree with you in prayer. I'm going to say a prayer. Amen. Amen. And amen. I see you. Amen. Anyone else that I missed? I, I want to agree with you. Anyone else? Wave your hand. Amen. I got gotcha. you. Got gotcha. you. Okay, Father, I thank you for these. Lord, and I thank you, first of all, for their humility. Lord, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a way to, rec- to recognize, even publicly, to say, hey, I need God. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them an extra dose. Lord, a hundredfold. Ten to a hundredfold in the areas that they need right now. The power that they need. The wisdom that they need. Lord, the virtue that they need. Lord, the knowledge that they need. Would you fill them, Lord? And I want to remind you all that you raise your hand is just will you thank Jesus for dying on the cross for you? Because that, we already talked about it, but I want you to do it personally. Just thank him. Say, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my Redeemer. And Lord, thank you that you can save us and heal us in Jesus' name. How many say amen? Amen. How many got something out of today? Can we give the Lord a a clap offering?